This is the Collaboration Dynamics Podcast, helping you work together better with Judy Reese, X-ray listener, best-selling author, international virtual collaboration trainer, and master of metaphor. Hear more at xraylistening.com. Welcome to the Collaboration Dynamics Podcast. I'm Judy Reese, and with me today is Matt Ballantyne. Hello, Matt. Good morning, Judy. Good morning, and thank you very much for joining us. Um, now, I, I love your LinkedIn profile because you've got some brilliant job titles there. Um, Angel of Disruption, Digital Transformation Consultant. Um, but uh, to be fair, let me invite you to introduce yourself, say what you do, and perhaps say a little bit about what you do in relation to collaboration, please. Okay, so I'm one of these people for whom the constraints of the traditional job type have been broken out of, um, and so it's incredibly difficult to be able to succinctly say what I do. I wish that I had a job title like Greengrocer that my mother understood. But sadly, it's not the case. Um, I've been working in the technology industry for the last 20-something years, um, mostly working within um, organizations of varying scale and um, complexity uh, within IT or uh, technology departments. Quite a lot of that focus has been in the media and marketing industry. Uh, I was at the BBC for just over eight years from 1996 until 2004 so a lot of what's being talked about today around digital and digital transformation was something that I saw within the media industry happen you know way back then and um, it's sometimes I find it challenging to be able to keep in mind that uh, other uh, industries are kind of only just starting that journey. Um, I uh, by academic background, I'm a social scientist, uh, so I've always kind of fought against the idea of being a technologist, but I guess I understand technology well, so that's sort of what I am. Um, but the people element of it and the communication side coming from working in media and marketing have uh, influenced me quite a lot in terms of the way in which I think about technology. Um, I've taken a couple of sideways steps in my career. Um, uh, About 10 years ago, I went to work for a management and leadership development company uh, doing management and leadership training for people working in big organizations, water companies, telecoms companies, government bodies, uh, health service uh, organizations. Uh, And that gave me a fascinating insight into the challenges of management and leadership. And whilst Uh, I don't know whether anybody who was involved in any of the training that I delivered learned anything. I learned a heck of a lot over the course of those two years. I know that feeling. (laughs) (laughs) And then um, about uh, four years ago, I started on the the current um, meandering journey. Uh, I had uh, been running technology for a, a global marketing company called Imagination for about three years. And um, I, I wanted to be able to do something next. And I was worried that uh, a kind of CIO role, which is like chief information officer role that I was in at the time, um, wouldn't sustain me for the next 20 or so years to the, the, the rest of my career. And that also that the CIO role probably won't be around in its uh, current form for the next 20 or so years. Uh, opportunity went to go uh, to go and work for Microsoft for a couple of years in a marketing role there. So I took that, um, which was a fascinating experience. Uh, almost anthropological experiment for me to be able to understand how the technology supply side of um, uh, that world works 
And I've gained a lot from understanding what makes software companies, American software companies, tick from that experience. And then about two years ago, I decided that it was time to be able to see if I could um, plow my own furrow, to be able to go out and be able to sell myself to the world and, and see what I could make of it. And two years on, I'm still sort of working that out. Um, but I, uh, I do three things. I speak, I write, and I do advisory type consulting. So I don't run projects for people, but I, I help people with the things that they're doing. Um, the unifying theme around all of that is the challenges that uh, digital transformation and digital disruption are placing onto organizations. Um, and because of my background of having a combination of people, technology, and communications and, and media and marketing um, that means that the people that I tend to work for are either uh, technologists or people in the kind of HR people space or people in the marketing communication space and when I work with them what I'm usually doing is helping them to bolster their uh, understanding and experience of the other two areas because generally what I find is people particularly at senior levels tend to have been streamed in ways that means they are expert in technology or experts in people or experts in communications and don't necessarily have depth in in those other areas so it's about being able to tie those things together to be able to adapt across those domains to be able to help people understand in a way that's more than just translating from one professional domain to another but actually putting it into the context of uh, the people that I'm working for hopefully mm -hmm. um, and uh, to be able to do that in to say this this world where organizations are finding themselves increasingly under a threat a sense of apprehension a sense of confusion a sense of oh my goodness is this happening to us that seems to be linked to um, changes that are afoot that, that are facilitated or being catalyzed by technology if not necessarily technology led themselves now so the collaboration collaboration yes so the collaboration element of that, um, what I'm finding is that the boundaries of um, what it is to work in teams are getting very distorted now. So traditionally, I would have a team, I would set them roles, I'd enable them to work in those roles, everybody knew what they were doing. And in a world where things are becoming much more ambiguous, uh, the way in which we collaborate with others becomes increasingly complicated. And technology has a facilitating role within that. But what I'm also seeing is that there's a lot of unicorns being sold across the world where technology companies say that the, you know, the problem that you have as an organization with collaboration is technology. And so here's some more technology that will solve that problem, which is utter bunk, obviously. It's, mm -hmm. it's complete nonsense. And so what I'm doing is um, a, a few projects with various uh, clients where looking at being able to help to First of all, unpack what people mean by collaboration because it's such a breadth of term. Uh, and then think about what we mean by collaboration technology. And my contention is that actually in knowledge-based organizations, all technology is collaborative. Uh, we might not think of it mm -hmm. so, and it might not achieve that goal, but everything is about helping people work together. Um, and then being able to bring those worlds together and also bring the people involved in that together, both from the technology side and the uh, the the broader organization to help them actually achieve outcomes that are about increasing the collaborative effectiveness of organizations rather than increasing the delivery of collaboration software in organizations. Mm -hmm. So 
for you when you personally are collaborating at your best you are like what an interesting question um i am uh, I, the the time when i'm collaborating the best is the time when i'm in flow mm-hmm. um that whole idea about being you know the top of the maslow hierarchy that that thing about when you're just so engrossed in in work and when i am really engrossed in work is when i'm working with others as a um somebody who works quite a lot individually but really needs the sense of team and people around me that's an interesting challenge and one of the things that i'm finding is that um actually technology is a way for me to be able to help to be able to achieve that so you and i met um facilitated by technology it was a connection mm-hmm. we had mutual contact who said matt you should talk to judy about some stuff that you're doing at the moment and then we started the conversation and we met and then quite quickly that was a a, a, a real world thing it was about finding people and then being able to make that that thing real um and so for me when i'm really collaborating well it's 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 partly that thing about flow and actually probably the other thing that I do an awful lot is the way in which I collaborate well is by putting other people in contact with each other mm-hmm. and so being a connector being somebody who is able to say you over here have got this challenge and you over here have got this challenge so why don't you find some time to be able to talk to each other or um, you know you guys here are, are struggling with this particular problem and I know some people who've, who've been able to do something similar that you might be able to learn from why do you didn't talk to them mm-hmm. and so that um, social lubrication I guess uh, I, 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 it's something I find very rewarding and if I feel it's rewarding then it, it's mm-hmm. that time so when you're being a connector doing that social lubrication thing what kind of connector are you just to play with the metaphor for a moment um if i think about um i tend to have to just reference these things because because the, the the amount of variation there is in the things that i do these days mm-hmm. it's probably best just thinking about it in terms of case examples yeah, so take one example of you doing that one example of it is I got to meet somebody through some conversations uh, actually on Twitter. Uh, he and I met up last week. Uh, he runs a couple of businesses. He's interested in broadly actually the theme of collaboration and he's interested in that in two contexts. First of all, in the context of education and then secondly, in the context of uh, broadly how do we get better collaboration across citizens in the UK to take a greater role in the democratic process? Mm-hmm. Uh, he's, he's a politician, um, in fact. And uh, so out of the back of that conversation and the conversation that I had with him, there was uh, somebody I know who's done some interesting stuff around a concept of reverse mentoring, getting people in their late teens and early 20s in front of people who work at board level in big organizations to mm-hmm. tell them about what stuff is like. I introduced him to uh, a software company that I know that does some interesting stuff around helping professional bodies find it or people find each other. Um, I found oh, there's a couple of others as well, but as somebody who's, who's in very engrossed in the world of communities of practice, and I thought that mm-hmm. would be an interesting conversation for, mm-hmm. for them to have. So it's just about being able to maybe spot slightly tangential stuff that is 
they wouldn't necessarily think of on their own right, extending out their, the kind of mean pool that they'll be looking at in mm. terms of ideas. Because I have this cross-disciplinary thing going on where I understand across quite a number of industries and quite a number of professional disciplines to be able to make those slightly lateral Mm-hmm. Now that that's a great example, a lovely, lovely little story, a little vignette, which has given me a load of information because my interest here is, or well, how are you thinking about collaboration and connection? And what I notice is that as you describe all of that, um, your attention is totally not on you. Um, that it's it's on the other person and on the um, potential connections, on the memes, on the people um, that you could link that person with. And my next question is probably not going to sound a very sensible question because what I'm curious about is what's going on inside you when that's happening. And, and what you've just described is that your attention is not on you at that moment. Um, so when you're doing all of that, What's happening to you? So for me, it's interesting. I've never really thought about it in that way or this way. Um, but actually, I find it is incredibly about me mm. because by doing all of that, it gives me a sense of purpose. Mm. So by doing that stuff, by helping other people, God, that sounds like the sort of thing that a Miss World candidate would have said in about <laughs> Um, but by doing that, it it's what motivates me. It, it's what gives me a sense of reward, the idea that person A and person B, who didn't know each other before, could come together to be able to do something, um, and I've had a little bit of involvement in that. Mm-hmm. that, that, that that's, the, that's the thing that motivates me. So I find it incredibly selfish. Interesting. Bizarrely. So what kind of reward is that reward? Um. Well, I think I mean, it, it, it sort of, I guess, plays into um, the, the kind of broader um, goals that I've set for myself in terms of the second half of my career. Mm-hmm. I see myself in my second half of my career. I'm not hopefully limiting it necessarily to exact mm-hmm. numbers of years. Um, the first part of my career as I sort of graduated and then fell into a role and then sort of fell into a few more roles and then got a bit more serious in my late 20s and started to think about it as being... Career goals were about setting uh, achievement of roles by certain sort, and that kind of the the apogee of that was then to get to um, be a CIO by the age of forty. And I was interviewed by CIO magazine to appear on their front cover at the age of thirty-nine. So I thought, tick that one off, done it. <laughs> and uh, the story never ran, but that's another story. Mm. Um, and at, at that point, I kind of had two years of going. I just do not know what I do now because I've achieved that one, and all I can do now is say, be CIO of a bigger company. What mm. do I do from that? And I was sitting on a, um, a cruise ship surrounded by uh, chief information officers, HR directors, and people who work in the um, uh, personal finance industry on a boat sitting just outside of the port of Guernsey in the Channel Islands, mm-hmm. a port of St. Petersport. And it's a thing that Richmond events run where they get a bunch of people together, the, the IT directors forum, the HR directors forum. Mm. And I was speaking and I didn't have anything else to do. So I was sitting in my cabin looking out over St. Peterport and occasionally Alderney and, and um, mm. Herm when the boats shifted round, having a lot of time to think. 
and um, it's something there clicked together for me, which has become actually the principles by which I, I try to guide what work I do and to try to guide what it is that I'm doing with, with my own business. And that is the idea of stampable projects. Now, um, my grandfather was a uh, physicist Mm-hmm. and uh, he worked for the General Electric Company for his entire career. Um, he did stuff in the war about analog computing. He then did a lot around telecommunications. He designed circuits that the first 20-odd years of transatlantic TV passed through at Goonhilly Down. And then in the early 1970s, he went out to the central, southern central um, African country of Zambia to help yeah. set up their first satellite earth station and this was something that was he was there for four years my earliest memories of, of going out to spend a month with them with my mum and dad um, in the summer before I started school and uh, this thing that he built he project managed the big satellite dish that was built out there um, was so important to the Zambian nation that one of the things that they did was to issue a set of commemorative stamps mm-hmm. And those, uh, my business is called Stamp. I've got a set of those stamps framed and on my above my desk at, uh, at home. And it's a metaphor for how I make decisions about the sorts of work that I want to do. And it's about things that have the potential to have that sort of impact, things that are about technology, people and communications that um, uh, have some sort of impact and have the chance of being celebrated in in a similar sort of way to the work that my grandfather did. 40 years ago mm-hmm. and so that's in terms of you know it's given insight into how I get motivated it's kind of there is a thing about it's a massive ego thing I want to be involved in, in big stuff that's important and mm-hmm. that I'd see as terribly egotistical um, and it's, it, it probably inflates my ego even more than to have somebody say you, you seem to be not thinking about yourself at all it's very mm-hmm. sweet it's so Oh, there's so much, so many things I could ask you about at this point. So, but one thing to mention is, have you read the the Purpose Economy by I think it's Aaron Hurst? Uh, it's it's one of the innumerable books that I've kind of read about the first chapter and sits on my Kindle staring at me every time yeah. I look at the full I, list of books. I'm I'm, yeah. I'm I'm a couple of chapters in, same thing. Um, but I think his 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 main point is is still sound, which is that more and more people are finding purpose in their work as an important factor rather than just showing up and doing stuff, almost to the extent that uh, finding purpose in your work is a given. Um, to me, I don't think that's especially selfish because I talk to lots of people about their work and all of them think that it's really important to have purpose in their work. Um, so to me, selfish is only in comparison with someone else and uh, it Absolutely. doesn't selfish to me. But- uh, one of the things I find amazing with that, though, is how many people I know who are in good earning jobs in big corporate companies who basically they get home at night and they burst into tears mm-hmm. whether you know literally or metaphorically but for them and the american company trait of describing your pay and benefits as compensation i think oh, is it's... all you need to know it's compensation for having to put up with mm-hmm. the shit right. and 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 Hurst's point is that purpose can be found in any any occupation any job it's not about destiny um but actually the attitude of things being called compensation and that kind of stuff it just it tries to discourage people from finding purpose in their work which just seemed bonkers to me absolutely absolutely um but to go back to the point i was trying to make about um attention 
which is I, what I think I heard was that in the moment of doing your connecting thing, in that specific moment, it sounded as if you were not putting your attention on yourself. You were putting your attention on the other and on the ideas and people that you knew about. Yes. Because uh, and there's no way of being able to, if there's something I can do for, for people as a um, low cost to myself, high value to them, it's being able to match them with people who um, might be useful for them. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm taking that to the next level um, in one experimental piece of work that I it's been sort of going for most of this year, although with a big pause in the middle of the year for about nine months. Um, and this is a, a an idea of what I'm calling co-coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, I th- think I need to work on the, the description of it because it, it, it probably is too loaded a term for, for describing what it is. But it came from an extension out of this. So I, there were two people that I was talking to. I was talking to uh, the chief executive of a, um, a prof- UK-based professional body, so a membership organisation representing people um, uh, of a particular industry, and then also uh, the chief information officer of a uh, very large, significant sporting body, uh, spectator sport and participative sport. And it struck me that these are two membership organisations who were both struggling with the same fundamental problem, which was in 2015 and beyond, in years where we have these wonderful tools available to be able to manage communities, there is a perception issue about what the value of a membership organisation is today, mm-hmm. especially if you don't have some sort of legal mandated role. So doctors, you have to be a member of the BMA to be practising as a doctor. Um, if you don't have that, people start to ask questions about, well, what's the value of my membership subscription? Mm. So it struck me for these two organisations, for John and for Damien, they actually were basically facing the same problem. I've been trying to think about the, 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 the traditional consulting model um, of uh, being sold to for somebody who will come and fix all your problems, a bunch of 12-year-olds being sent in to be able to fix them and then finding that a bunch of spreadsheets doesn't do it, mm. uh, which is a kind of shortened version of the, you know, the big consulting firm model um, that model's rubbish it doesn't work it's not even in most people's interests and it needs to be significantly disrupted now the idea from talking with John and with Damien was maybe we could bring together two organizations who have a similar problem who come from different worlds so therefore have no issues around competition but because they come from different worlds have the opportunity to be able to collaborate with each other and see things with new eyes in each other's situation Mm-hmm. but with enough common interest to have some sort of motivation to co-create ideas about how they might work together to, to solve these things. And by solving them in ways that could be applied in both organisations, they would tend to be light enough to have a chance of working. Mm-hmm. And so the idea of this co-coaching model is, can I bring two organisations with similar problems together to facilitate them helping each other to collaborate and be able to generate ways about being able to address the challenges they face. Mm. And so that takes it then to the next thing, which is actually if, I, if I'm thinking about the others, because, uh, you know, another big thing for me is that the, you know, if I'm going to be involved in um, consulting to a client, I want to help them build capability. I don't want to become a member of their staff on a strange contract. I don't want them to build dependency in me. Although mm-hmm. repeat business 
obviously, you know, repeat business is important. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I want to help them build that capacity and capability. And that co-coaching model, bring two together, you know, two organizations together, solve your own problems, motivate yourselves. I think there's something really interesting in that. Now, whether I can work that out to work, whether I can work it out to work with some sort of commercial model behind it, for me, those are two questions that I'm testing and, and working with at the moment. But that that's the next extension of this, which is, mm. again, about being very focused on the the others, just because that's kind of how I am, but being able to do that in a way that then turns it into something that might be a business proposition that has something above and beyond mm-hmm. individual on a one-by-one basis mm. and that I mean that that kind of idea really interests me I've played with what uh, a similar idea around mastermind groups but it never really again it couldn't I couldn't figure out how to make the commercial model work um, but it, I think there's loads of excitement in that but to go back to what's happening for you when you're collaborating like this your attention is on the others you're being a connector you're doing that social lubrication and you are in flow. What kind of flow, again, to play with the metaphor, what kind of flow is that flow? I think it's the, it's just that feeling that you've become um, engrossed in your work. Mm-hmm. That, that It's not about shutting off the rest of the world. But it's the feeling that you can give something your undivided attention. It's that ability to be able to just be there. And um, something that, I mean, being in a group of people and facilitating a group of people, which is incredibly hard work, very often underestimated how much hard work it is to, to successfully facilitate any sort of group activity. Um, but that, that gives me it. And I'm absolutely exhausted at the end of it, but it, it's worth it for the, the, that sense of being just in in the moment. Um, funnily enough, the other time that I I, I, I get it is um, a totally solitary um, environment, which is when I'm doing music stuff and mm. t- tinkering with uh, electronic music, where I can just shut myself off from the world for about twenty minutes with my kids running around my ankles. But um, just to be able to get into that space where I'm able to just think about what it is that I'm doing and just think about what it is that I'm doing. And I think that's the that's the point um, for me where I, I know that I'm doing well and it's engaged and and for me being with a group of people where I'm helping them to do that is another place where I get that. Mm-hmm. And just for a question of clarification, when you're doing that, when you're totally engrossed and with, your, with a group of people doing that, for you normally is that face-to-face or is it sometimes online? It can be online. Um, I have been. There, there are occasions where it gets into being online. I guess writing's the other time, and I I, I blog a, a, an awful lot mm-hmm. um, because again, it's a way of me being able to extend out without having a team immediately around me. Mm-hmm. And the blogging part of it is part of where I get into that kind of zone, but also the actual writing part. But um, the the discussions that hopefully that spurs afterwards, but it's not the same because it's not the, the online environment is um, it, it's a it doesn't have the richness mm-hmm. 
it doesn't have the it, it's the asynchronous nature of online in comparison to the synchronous nature of being with a group of people or even just one other person so at a time that, that's synchronous you're with them with one person with a couple of people with us with a group you're there you're engrossed and not cut off from the rest of the world but just giving that completely your attention in the moment yes like that and that's when you're collaborating at your best i think so hmm. thank you and given that we're coming to the end of our time before we finish is if people want to get in touch with you and find out about your blog or whatever and where where should they look and who would you like to get in touch with you um easiest way to find me is if you just search on uh the interwebs with uh, matt m-a-t-t valentine b-a-l-l-a-n-t-i-n-e and um through no glorious search engine optimization but just through the sheer heft of the volume of stuff i churn out and having a fairly unusual name you'll find me um my uh, business operates under the name of Stamp London, and there's a, a website, stamplondon.co.uk. Um, I'm just interested in people who want to continue these kind of conversations. Um, I guess the areas of a particular topic interest that I have at the moment, there's a piece around, uh, specifically around collaboration software and collaboration technology and how that relates to actually delivering better team working in organisations. And then there's... Um, a pool of work around broader issues around digital transformation and disruption and innovation in organizations and um, just unpicking some of the rampant BS that there is around all of those themes at the moment and actually making it a little less like the world is about to end and you're all going to get Ubered, but a little more practical and this kind of people who want to be able to do stuff at a small scale to be able to see what works, to be able to experiment, to be able to see things that, go well to see the things that don't work in their environment and just want some help and advice in how to go about doing that lovely thank you very much indeed for taking the time and uh, i'll let you get back to being engrossed in all the things you're engrossed in thanks a lot thank you judy 